0: Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome. It is the midweek edition of Let's Talk Sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXO Studios in Honolulu, and we're doing a little switcheroony here because usually on Wednesdays, if everything goes according to plan, uh, we got Billy Hall of the Honolulu Star Advertiser as my guest co-host today. Uh, but schedule conflicts and such have uh, led to a bit of a switch to where uh, Billy will be here on Friday, and that means that my Friday co-host, uh, Peruge uh, is now in the house here on on a Wednesday, Brian McKinnis of Spectrum News. What's up, BMAC?
2: Man, the uh, cinematic universe of Let's Talk Sports has <laughs> been totally upended, and <laughs> all kinds of chaos is going to ensue.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's like uh, Marvel and Sony trying to get like on the same page here uh, with all of the different plot lines and all of that stuff. But I appreciate you uh, being flexible enough to be able to uh, make. A little bit of a switch in your schedule and plans here today uh, to, uh, to be in studio. And a pretty good day for that, may I add, uh, because we're very excited. In uh, about 15 minutes, we're going to be talking with uh, a very special guest, a three-time world champion in the NBA, a uh, Hall of Famer, uh, and really one of the legends of the game for sure. And you can catch some of his analysis now in studio for Spectrum Sportsnet's coverage of Laker basketball. James Worthy is going to be our guest here a little bit later on in the show.
2: Man, what a treat.
1: I no, you is got, this
2: what I'm missing out on Wednesdays? Yeah,
1: Wednesdays are always loaded. I mean, it's just star-studded. Yeah, sorry about that, man. No, um, yeah. What, what, uh, what are you sort of conjuring up as far as uh, questions uh, that you might want to ask of of Mr. Worthy?
2: I mean, when the Lakers are involved, there's there's no shortage, good or bad. I mean, you know, there was that r- report from ESPN about LeBron getting at least exploratory trade talks with the Golden State Warriors, which would have been, you know, just an earth-shaking development. Even the fact that they had some pretty high-level discussions, you know, generated a lot of buzz. And, I mean, you got that. You got All-Star Weekend with its lackluster All-Star Game. I, I wonder if a guy from his era of the Showtime 80s would have something to say about You know, the lack of competitiveness from some of the league's best players getting together. Uh, Yeah, man, I'm excited to hear what he has on a whole host of topics.
1: Yeah, what did you think about that LeBron uh, Warriors report where there was at least some high-level discussions? And and we're saying discussions because it's one thing if uh, somebody from a front office calls another front office and is like, hey, um, is such-and-such available? And then it's like, nope, click, and then that's the end of it. I'm sure that happens all the time. Mm -hmm. But this was a little bit different because apparently the call went to GenieBus. It was actually a call between ownership groups of those mm-hmm. franchises, uh, and Jeannie Buss didn't just automatically shut it down. She actually went to LeBron's representatives uh, and Rich Paul, and was like, um, you know, is is you know, sort of gave them, I think, a little bit of the. Um, the, the onus to uh, re- react or respond to that as opposed to just uh, outright, uh, arbitrarily shutting it down. So uh, the fact that that door was cracked a little bit further open to me is pretty striking uh, under these circumstances and uh, I'm not sure if that's you know Jeannie Buss just doing a solid for LeBron, like hey, thanks for everything that you've done here in your time and so I want to at least give you the privilege of being able to call a shot that might involve something like that uh, or if that's more just out of pure respect for LeBron being who he is, that um, any kind of decision, whether it's like, no, we don't want to trade you, or yes, we do want to trade you, is, hey, we got to present it to LeBron first and foremost.
2: Yeah, so that, it was uh, after LeBron did his hourglass tweet. That's right, right. That, yeah. that generated all kinds of, like, speculation. All about, heck broke loose, yeah. yeah. And on, on the heels of the Lakers, you know, not doing particularly well or basically playing 500 ball, which is roughly where they've been all season long. Um, and, yeah, my understanding from the report uh, first put out by ESPN was uh, Jeannie Buss said, hey, you guys are welcome to talk to LeBron's camp directly, right? Yeah. Like, feel them out, and then we'll have a discussion maybe. or Yeah, so it's really interesting. Yeah, and then
1: ult- ultimately it was a situation where they said that they were not interested in mm-hmm. uh, enacting any kind of trade. Uh, but that was uh, really f- uh, fascinating just from the standpoint of you never hear that, right? right. You never hear about— Players on that level. Mm -hmm. Uh, LeBron has moved around (laughs) between a lot of teams, obviously, uh, but it always has been uh, upon his decision making. It has always been up to him. He has been the initiator of any kind of change in his career course. Uh, And to think of at this stage of their careers, the possible teaming up of Steph Curry and LeBron, um, you know, I I guess Draymond Green was also involved a little bit in this, just trying to create like a little momentum and, and plant the seed of the idea a la when he, uh, after losing to LeBron in the NBA Finals, called up his boy KD and was like, hey, let's make this happen. Why don't you come over here and play with us? So uh, Draymond always trying to pull some of those strings. But uh, what do you think that would have looked like? LeBron and Steph Curry on the same team that seems like uh, that would be uh, obviously a juggernaut type of situation.
2: For sure. And and it, of course, would require both of them to uh, remain healthy uh, for the rest of the year. You know, both have been had their uh, run-ins with various injury woes in the last couple years of their careers. So uh, I imagine the Warriors would have had to send back quite the uh, enticing package to make it happen. I mean, does Clay, you know, make his way to be a a Laker, you know, in the footsteps of his father, Michael Thompson, being a Laker at one point in time? I mean... Uh, you know, Draymond obviously would probably be looking to stay put. I, I think he
1: would be trying to stay put, but I mean, you'd, you'd have to figure it would be like a wholesale, like Kuminga and yeah. all of these other young pieces that have shown some promise. They'd all be gone, right? I mean, like you, you the Lakers would have to expect to get like mm-hmm. a a huge nucleus uh, of young talent from, from the Warriors in addition to whatever possible, like draft capital or anything like that. Like that would have been a significant haul, uh, I think, on the part of the Lakers. And so, you know, it begs the question: Would it have been worth it? You think, from the Warriors' standpoint, if you have a chance to get LeBron, and you pair him with Steph Curry, um, I think you got to do it, right? Would, even at this stage of LeBron's so. career, yeah, uh,
2: and it would it would have gone down as as you know one of the seminal trades dead, uh, trade deadline deals in league history. Yeah, uh, it's. I mean, we're playing the what if game here, but <laughs> you know. We can, we can, you know, go
1: there, right? Yeah, we can fantasize a little bit on what could have been. Uh, I mean, it was reported, so it's uh, it's now fair game and fodder. 808-296-1420, the number to call. You can also text in at that number via the Zephyr Insurance text line. Again, we're going to be talking with James Worthy, three-time NBA champ and Hall of Famer uh, in just a little bit. Uh, but there are some other NBA news since we're sort of in that realm here to start the show, uh, where KD, Kevin Durant, speaking of KD, uh, he as well as uh, his head coach, Frank Vogel have responded to some comments made by Charles Barkley, KD, and Charles. They yeah. uh, have definitely been a little bit of the uh, the uh, love Locker to hate, heads. yeah, yes. love to hate one another kind of relationships, um, and so oil and water type of stuff here. And uh, and so it was Charles Barkley who was on an alternative alternative broadcast on True TV of the uh, NBA All Star Game, and. Uh, Basically, he was talking about Kevin Durant as a guy who he doesn't see as having true leadership qualities. The exact quote was, no disrespect to Kevin. You gotta love when a statement starts with that, right? What's coming after that? Disrespect is definitely coming. <laughs> yeah. Um, no disrespect to Kevin. Kevin's a follower. He's not a leader. He's proven that on all his stops. He says, Devin Booker is a heck of a player also. I think he's gonna have to take the initiative and take this Suns team to the next level. But I said the same thing with Boston. When your guys has to step forward he has to step forward and for me for phoenix to be successful it has to be Booker Now, uh, Barkley has been very vocal about Durant uh, and some of his previous departures from teams. Uh, I think one of the phrases that he used was, uh, Kevin Durant's not a bus driver, he's a bus rider. He does
2: not drive the bus. That's
1: right, that's right. And uh, each of these iterations of comments made by Charles Barkley, uh, KD has bristled significantly, whether commenting back on social media or in this case uh, in what was a wide-ranging interview for Boardroom. It's a platform that's actually owned by Kevin Durant. He was uh, asked by his agent uh, about Barkley's recent comments uh, and his image in the league. And he says, I don't feel like I want to, he says, I don't feel like I want people to call me a leader, but I also don't want people to say that I'm not one either, because they don't see what goes on behind the scenes of what I talk about or my intentions or relationships that I've built with my teammates and my support staff. Uh, and so he is admitting that maybe, you know, that's not the image that he puts forward. He's more of a lead-by-example guy, and that's what Frank Vogel said as well. He says he leads by example. He speaks up when he needs to. Not every player is going to be a rah-rah type. Every player leads in their own way. You have to lead within your personality. Uh, and Vogel went on to say, I learned that as a coach a long time ago that I can't come in and try to be Rick Patino. not that you really want to be these days, <laughs> as much as he inspired me to get into coaching our personalities are just different. What do you make of uh, sort of this little back and forth?
2: Hey, we, We've we known KD to be a, kind of a sensitive personality as far as any criticism goes, really from um, maybe his second or third year in the league when he was a rising star in Oklahoma City. Uh, so, you know, and, and Charles does not pull his punches. I mean, he speaks his mind um, not only about Kevin Durant on a whole range of guys in the league. So, I mean, when you got those two factors there, just kind of KD's inherent sensitivity and... and bark barkley's you know uh just lack of filter uh it, it's not surprising these guys are going to continue to y- y- i would love to see them in studio together just kind of like you know hash it out yeah and um it would be so entertaining but uh I, i've never been a real fan of kd in, in terms of his just inability to kind of let some of this stuff go and then he over analyzes it and has his twitter burner accounts and um that was in the past <laughs> you assume he doesn't have any more well who knows yeah but, who knows um it's it's just i i'm a barkley you know fan of what he kind of just has done in his career and the the stage the the uh, platform he has in his uh outsized role as a basketball analyst that you know I tend to kind of listen to what he has to say. Sure.
1: Do you think that he actually has uh, some semblance of of accuracy here in his depiction of Kevin Durant? There's a little bit of yeah. self awareness here mm-hmm. on the part of KD. Maybe beyond what uh, I would have expected uh, right. on the front end of something like this. He said, "I'm not as charismatic as my peers. I don't have a personality that's fit for TV like my peers. You've got to sell what you're doing as well, and I haven't sold it enough. I don't feel like I need to. I don't feel like I need people to call me a leader, but I also don't." Feel like I want people to say that I'm not one either. There's a little bit of
2: self-awareness there, yeah. Yeah. And I give him credit for that.
1: uh, But so is that enough of an admission on his part that it further justifies Charles Barkley's opinion here? You think on this?
2: Yeah, I I guess in a roundabout way, I would say so. um, You know, you can be great. I mean, Kevin Durant is arguably one of the greatest players in NBA history, a, a top. 10 guy, if you want to make that argument, um, you know, a couple of titles, albeit with the Golden State Warriors who were pretty stacked. Yeah, they were stacked. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's to say the least. <laughs> um, so I know he's been chasing that championship as like the lead guy for, for his last couple stops now. You know, he's got the ill-fated run with uh, the Brooklyn Nets, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not entirely his fault. I think the way that kind of fell apart when you're talking about James Harden and and Kyrie Irving, two other uh, you know, guys who are pretty shaky in terms mm-hmm. of their reliability. Um, and now he's chasing the same thing in Phoenix with his new big three with uh, Bradley Beal and and Devin Booker. So if he got that as, as you know, either the, the lead guy or at least co-lead guy with Devin Booker, I think that would do a lot to assuage some of the criticism, you know, that, that's been uh, directed his way. But in terms of, you know, personality-wise, the guy you want front and center as, like, your franchise guy – I, yeah, I'm just not convinced that he's that guy.
1: Yeah, you know, I think he. it seems like he expected upon winning those two championships with the Warriors that there would be this adulation for him that right. wasn't quite there. It didn't quite materialize. Uh, I think he was looking at LeBron, for instance, and saying, hey, look, he left to Miami and, and got with the big three over there, and they made a run. And everyone, at first, he was sort of a heel, but then he kind of turned baby face, and everyone loved him. Mm-hmm. Of course, I think that was further um, helped along by the fact that he went back to Cleveland and made right there with that... Town and and that franchise by winning a championship, but uh, I think what the difference was, um, and maybe it shouldn't have looked this way, uh, depending on how you want to judge LeBron's Finals performance that first year. But uh, it didn't look that easy for the Miami Heat. Right. Whereas with Golden State, it was so overwhelming, it just it tipped the scales to such a profound degree that it looked easy. And so I don't think people were ready to give Kevin Durant the kind of elevated um, yeah. credit. And, and certainly the, the, the kind of adulation that he was thinking was going to be on the other side of winning a championship. I think it's just pure optics uh, in many ways uh, as to why he's not um, looked upon in the same regard as a champion, even though he was a couple-time champion.
2: And I would, to add to your point, I would say not only was there not adulation, it, like, went totally the other yeah. way where he was just the focus of all the, the yeah. criticism of that, you know, of that dynasty, of any... Haters of Golden State could just gravitate towards him, like, um, and I think he he definitely felt it and heard it. Yeah, uh, upgrade your island style with Kahala, the original Aloha shirt
1: since 1936. Pick one up for yourself at one of Kahala's six stores island wide or at Kahala.com. All right, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we're talking with multiple-time NBA champion Hall of Famer James Worthy. You're listening to Let's Talk Sports. Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. My guest co-host for the day is Brian McInnes of Spectrum News. It's going to be a little bit of a Spectrum party here uh, because we'd go to the phone line to welcome a very special guest uh, to the program. Three time NBA champion, a Hall of Famer uh, and part of the studio crew for Spectrum Sportsnet's coverage of Laker basketball. One of the greats of all time. James Worthy joins us via the phone line. Big game, James. How are you?
0: Pretty good. How's everyone?
1: Oh, we're doing all right. Uh, very excited to be talking with you. A word is that you've been uh, enjoying the All Star break uh, here in the islands—a little uh, Hawaii vacation and getaway for you, huh?
0: Probably about the last twelve years. Uh, you know, I, I, the All Star weekend is a is is a nice weekend. Uh, the last one I attended uh, was in Cleveland. Was uh, doing the Top seventy five weekend. It was snowing uh, and it was very cold. So uh, yeah, I've been fortunate enough to get like a, a seven to eight day break over All Star Weekend in Maui, and particularly Wailea uh, has been, you know, my number one destination.
1: Oh, that's terrific! Yeah, in fact, uh, Maui was also the site of what was a huge Showtime Lakers reunion uh, a couple of years that's ago right. as well. So uh, yeah, Maui's uh, been been pretty good to you, and vice versa.
0: It sure has, you know. I call it uh, my my tranquility, you know, place to go. I always reboot uh, the hospitality, and really, what makes it for me are the people. Uh, the people are, you know, very sweet and loving and caring, and and the hospitality is second to none. And you know, you, the beauty, the beauty of the island, it just, it just, it just all sinks in. And I, you know, I come back over and over and
1: over. <laughs> well, it's great to have you uh, back in the islands uh, for sure. Uh, we are uh, obviously going to want to ask you uh, a little bit on the hoops front as well as uh, you get ready to to go back and rejoin uh, the gang over there uh, in Los Angeles. Spectrum Sports Net coverage of, of Laker basketball. and uh, Let's talk about this Laker team. They're coming out of the All-Star break, having won seven of their last ten. Their first game tomorrow night is against Golden State. There was all uh, kinds of rumors that were running around and reports about uh, at least some communication between those two franchises regarding the potential of a LeBron trade. Uh, what did you make of some of those reports, and, and what do you think about the the state of the Lakers here uh, as they head out of the All Star break?
0: Well, the number one question, I I thought absolutely nothing uh, of the of the rumor. Um, you know, being around Rob Palinka and and Jeannie Buss and, and and Linda and Kurt Ramis. You know, I I'm I know they're pretty, you know, pretty sure of, of where they are right now, and uh, you know, at, at least till the season ends. I think LeBron wants to finish as a Laker, uh, so I don't think anything of trades. I'm, I'm an old fart. I don't <laughs> think about trades until something happens. So uh, I, I I see LeBron wanting to retire as a Laker. Uh, I like the way the Lakers have been trending of late. Uh, unfortunately. Uh, they've had injuries like everybody else in the league, but they haven't been able to bounce uh, or find you know some kind of continuity. And I think of late, since Coach Ham started on a starting lineup, I think you know he's going to stick with that, and I think that's made the difference. Uh, it's a good defensive lineup with with Rui in the in the in the in the lineup, and, and guys kind of know their minutes. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to play 10 minutes one night and 25 minutes the next night. So I think he's, he's got his cohesiveness set, even though uh, I'm not really sure Vanderbilt's going to come back with that injury. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to take some time. We're still waiting on Gabe. The one person I think we need to get back is uh, Christy, and I think he'll be back. And I think we can go from there. We just picked up uh, Spencer Wenditti. Uh, he's a really good, solid backup uh, point guard, pretty steady. So, last year, after the Westbrook trade, they started to play their best basketball after the All Star break. So, hopefully, they're starting to trend in that direction again. It, it's it, it's kind of disappointing that they're that they're where they are in the standings, but they still have a little bit of time to at least move up. So that you know they might be able to avoid the play in, but at least move up uh, a couple slots.
2: Hey, Mr. Worthy, it's Brian McInnes with uh, Spectrum News out here in Hawaii. And um, I was wondering your thought on, you know, we're coming off the All-Star weekend and uh, I know you were on Maui uh, enjoying the sights over there. But did you get a chance to watch the the actual All-Star game on Sunday? And uh, much was made about its, you know, relative lack of competitiveness, uh, guys scoring 200 plus points on each (laughs) side, basically. So did did you have a thought about that, maybe compared to, you know, your your run in the 80s around there, how it was compared to that time?
0: That's exactly why I didn't watch it. And that's exactly why I come to Maui. So, (laughs) I mean, look, much respect to the guys who are on the All-Star team. I am glad that they went back to the old, um, you know, East-West conferences. So, hopefully, going forward, they'll bring some competitiveness to it. Because, I mean, it's the best of the best. So, they should demonstrate that. I mean, we can go find a pickup game anywhere in the park in New York City that rivals you know shooting from half court. And I don't mind that every now and then uh but I think you know, it needs to get back to where it meant something I mean we hated to lose to the to the east, so at some point during that game, you know we it got serious we mm-hmm. had plays i remember I remember Don Nelson was my last all star coach, and I remember we had like a two hour practice. i mean it was serious we you know we were trying to get ready and so Yeah, I I hope it gets back to where the fans can appreciate it. Uh, Otherwise, it kind of gets discombobulated, and you know it's just hard to watch.
2: As and as a follow, um, do do you are there any ways that come to mind that you know maybe could incentivize the guys? I you know was tossed out there if there was some cash uh, for the winners, (laughs) or um, I know even like Larry Bird was trying to get the guys fired up leading into this All Star Game to. Show a little more competitiveness. I don't. I guess that didn't work out. But any ideas how they might be able to, you know, get it back to that?
0: Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, I, you hate to have to throw cash at everything, <laughs> uh, but it seems like that's what they respond to, even though they're making tons already. Uh, I don't know. I think it's got to be a conversation. You know, if Kobe were around, uh, you know, or Michael Jordan or Magic, or you know, they they just they just put it out there in the public. You know, and say, hey, we need to really clean this up, and you know, it—it'd it, be a conversation amongst the players, really, and the elite players have to say, oh, look, guys, you know, look, it's an All-Star game, people are watching all over the world, let's, you know, let's 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 give it a let's give it a good shot, and uh, and play hard, and you know, and and maybe mix it up, maybe maybe have five, you know, stars, and then have five. You know, five most improved players or, you know, have five, uh, you know, guys who are like just Austin Reeves type players hmm. who, played on the, who played on the USA team have, you know, mixed it up a little bit, you know. And so I, I know that takes away from all the elite players, but they just need to, they just need to like get it competitive again.
1: We're talking with the great James Worthy. Yeah, at risk of sounding like, you know, uh, the the old guy talking about the current generation, it does seem or feel like it's kind of a generational thing. Maybe it's like a Gen Z or millennial thing where uh, it just doesn't feel like they value the game itself as much. I think all these players very much value the idea of being recognized as All-Stars, but once they get... Uh, on that floor all-star Sunday uh, it just doesn't feel like they are so intent on putting on the show that it feels like for so many years and decades uh, the players were very intent on trying to show.
0: yeah I mean you know look I, I don't I, it's a younger generation and there, there are things that are, are changing that you know we just have to accept you know it's it's their league now it's a three point league you know it's uh you know it's load management league mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot of things uh but you know it, our, our time is done but the game when I started I watching the game I was 10 11 I was watching Oscar Robinson and at the time Lou Alcindor, now known as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar I was watching like West Sunsel and so when I got to the league in 82 it hadn't changed yeah we we got a faster, gotten a little faster in the game and gotten a you know but it hadn't changed that much. And we didn't shoot the three ball that much. Kareem had one three-point shot his whole career, and he had the, the scoring title for, you know, 39 years. You know, we had two guys who shot threes, uh, Cooper and Byron. You know, Pat Rowley had a rule. You had to shoot over 35% to, to be able to shoot it. So it's just a different game now. Uh, you know, I, and You know, I accept that. But the competitiveness of the game, the pride of the game, so many guys are coming out of school, out of high school, college. They, they go to one-year college, hmm. and they don't get the drill work. They're not getting the work. Like, I always like to use Austin Reese. He's undrafted, um, you know, went four years of college. He's done all the work. I You know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had four years with John Wooden. Bill Walton, four years with John Wooden. Michael Jordan, James Worthy, three years with hmm. Dean Smith. So, so when you get the drill work, and you get it over and over till it's drilled in your head, you don't have to be taught. And so that's what they don't have time to do in the NBA. They don't have time to teach. Therefore, you know, they take away some of the physical play. They, they shoot a lot of threes now. You know, you really can't, you can't really breathe on guys. You know, it's going to be a foul. It's just <laughs> different. You know, you got, you're watching videos, you know, 10-minute videos to see whether it was a foul or not. I mean, that's crazy. That would drive me nuts. <laughs> but, it's, you know, it's, it's a different game. It's global. It's social media. It's, it's different. So, you know, it's the way it is.
1: Uh, One guy who uh, certainly will not be um, accused of being a general Zer is LeBron James. He's much too old for that, but is it uh, still remarkable in your mind? I mean, this gets talked about so much, but uh, for a guy who had such an incredible career like yourself in the NBA to see what LeBron is doing now two decades uh, into his career and still able to be at any given time the best player on the floor, uh, how does that strike you?
0: Yeah, I mean, LeBron, LeBron James, the Kobe's, you know, the Kevin Garnett, the Tim Duncan's. You know, there are, there are guys that keep the game, you know, solid, and they, they know the history. And LeBron is one of those guys. He could have played in the 80s easily because, he's you know, he came in the league as a passer and ends up being the, the leading scorer. Uh, he, like Tiger Woods did in golf, he revolutionized uh, take care of yourself spending two and a half million dollars on, 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 you know, health and and wellness, eating right, sleeping in chambers. You know, he, he takes, he takes like a week off and then he's right back at it. So he never lets himself get out of shape and he continuously enhances and you know, he's just a freak of nature at birth, (laughs) you know, to have that body and have that size. And, you know, so he's learned how to mentally and physically, Prepare himself, and he's written the new formula for longevity uh, in the NBA. I mean, there's some coaches in the NBA that are younger yeah. than LeBron James. You know what I'm saying? Yeah.
2: Hey James, thinking back to those '80s glory days with the Lakers um, and you, you know, we all saw a one portrayal of that with the Winning Time documentary on HBO up until recently when it was canceled. I was wondering if you watched it at all, what you thought of the the portrayal of some of those years. And, uh, yeah, and your thought on it going away now.
0: Well, the one that I watched was called The Legacy, and that was on Hulu, and that was the one that had live footage, mm-hmm. and it had interviews uh, of all the people that were involved, so it was much more in-depth. Look, I didn't watch Winning Time. Uh, I wasn't involved with I would have liked to have been involved uh, to some capacity because it was a great decade. Mm-hmm. And a, and a lot of stuff going on surrounding the basketball between the Lakers and particularly the Celtics that could have been told. And but I get it; it's Hollywood satire. Uh, there were some things that I heard that weren't absolute, but you know, it's Hollywood, so that, that's the way I looked. I didn't really watch it. That mean I saw maybe uh, a couple episodes. They didn't really get to me. They got. I mean, I was in like the last uh the last whatever last series so all good but you know got canceled (laughs) do you um
1: (laughs) before we let you go do do you take time um or allow yourself uh, opportunities to reflect back and and just think to yourself like gosh that was pretty cool. Part of, like you said, one of the great decades in the history of this sport, uh, you know the 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 showtime moniker is something that's going to live on uh, seemingly forever. And just your role in what was one of the more impactful times uh, in american sport. Uh, do you do you allow yourself uh, opportunities to reflect on that?
0: All the time, I do, because I came from a, a poor family, a, a, a town about thirty five thousand people. The only thing I really wanted out of basketball was a scholarship. That's all I wanted, and that could have been to anywhere as long as my parents didn't have to pay for my college. They put my two older brothers Hmm. uh, through through college in the 70s, and it, it wasn't easy, so they worked a lot. So when I heard that I could get a scholarship, I really focused on that. I broke my ankle. My freshman year in college, I thought my career was, Was over, overcame that uh, to win a championship in 1982, and get drafted. So I, I reflect back all the time from a guy that only wanted a scholarship to becoming a three-time NBA champion, uh, of NBA Finals MVP, (laughs) you know, Hall of Famer, top center. I mean, I never thought of any of that, but if you just play the game and respect the game. and and love your teammates and love what you do and, you know, love the fans and what they give you and what you give them, all the individual stuff just kind of comes automatically. I didn't seek any of it, but um, I've been fortunate enough to play with a great organization. You know, Ralph Sampson, if you remember Ralph Sampson, who played at Virginia, he decided to stay in school his senior year, okay? Had he come out, I would have stayed my senior year. But because he stayed in, and the Lakers just happened to have the number one pick that year due to a trade that they made several years prior to the 82. So I knew the Lakers didn't want Dominique Wilkins. They didn't really need a score. They had several scores on the team. They didn't want Terry Cummins, uh, who was the number two pick. Dominique was number three. They needed someone who could fit in. They needed a role player, someone who didn't, didn't want to come in and be all flashy and, and start right away. So I, I sit on the bench for a couple years and waited my turn, and so that's what they wanted. So I knew, I, I knew they were going to pick me, and that's why I came out. So to, to play with Magic and Kareem and Jamal Wilkes and Bob McAdoo and be uh, GM'd by Jerry West. And a great owner, Dr. Buss, and then to be a country boy uh, <laughs> coming from Tobacco Road to, to Los Angeles and figuring out the traffic, it, I'd have to say it, it was more than a dream. Uh, it, was, it was a miracle in my, in my eyes.
1: Well, wow, that's remarkable. Uh big thrill for us to be able to talk with you and uh and, and really uh am appreciative that you made the time. Uh glad that you've enjoyed uh, your time once again here in the islands and um safe travels uh here and, and going forward the rest of the season. Really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I had a good host and big Tony, man. Big Tony <laughs> took care of me over here. <laughs> that is good to you hear. Know, we got it we got it we, we got an inside joke, you know. He played four years of college golf, man. You you, you you tell him that when you see him. Say, man, James said that he played four years of college. It's a big inside joke. <laughs>
1: okay. All right, guys. I, I will do that. Take care. Thank you. All right. You got it. All right, James Worthy talking about uh, Tony T, who is uh, (laughs) uh, considered one of the uh, more um, impactful and important people on the island uh, of Maui, especially when it comes to uh, having fun on the golf course, that's for sure. So uh, yeah, we'll pass on that inside joke. But James Worthy, how cool was that? Uh, And even the way he he ended that, talking about his career, and I never heard that Ralph Sampson story, uh, where basically he said, oh, he was like strategic about Uh when to come out for the draft, knowing that he was going to go number one, uh, and had Ralph Sampson decided to enter the draft he would have probably thought "No, i'll go maybe number one next year and who knows where he would have gone who knows uh what would have uh, potentially happened so uh, yeah that's a pretty remarkable story and uh, that was a lot of fun
2: there's a reason i think they throw it to big game james on the spectrum sports net analysis you know right after the games or at halftime he's there in studio i mean he just has a, a way of being able to break things down and and you know, an understandable way, uh, an entertaining way, and, and
1: with as much credibility as as anybody, because yeah. he's big game
2: James. He's a Hall of
1: Famer, man. He
2: did it, so that was awesome. Just yeah. to uh, you know, get to fire a couple questions on him.
1: Yeah, good stuff. All right, uh, we're gonna go ahead and take a break. Uh, we will roll on with Let's Talk Sports after this. What's up, everybody? Hey, Let's Talk Sports is presented by Domino's Pizza of Hawaii. It is lunchtime, so get the current special right now. Order any three or more items from the mix and match menu for only $8.99 each. Domino's, we deliver aloha. Big mahalo once again to James Worthy, Big Game James, for jumping on uh, the phone with us. Uh, that was pretty cool. And uh, leads us into another basketball discussion because I still got my man, Brian McInnes of Spectrum News. It was a whole Spectrum party. We had Spectrum Sports, <laughs> Spectrum News, and Spectrum Sports Net yeah, all really represented. Was here uh, on ESPN Honolulu but uh, let's get to some of the uh, basketball on the home front Uh, you of course have a long time been covering uh, Rainbow Warrior basketball Uh, they are entering what is a lean but important week a one game week where they will play Long Beach State on Saturday Uh, Hawaii currently sits in 6th sort of a three way tie for 6th place with UC Santa Barbara who they lost to on Saturday Mm -hmm. and UC Riverside Uh, CSUN is one game better than that Cluster. And then you have Long Beach State currently in fourth at nine and five. Hawaii, Riverside, and Santa Barbara are all seven and eight. Uh, And so uh, CSUN kind of in that that middle range. Hawaii certainly looking to, if possible, play their way into leapfrogging CSUN. If they can get into fifth place, that is effectively a top four seeding position because UC San Diego, which currently sits second at 11 and three behind UC Irvine's 12 and two, uh, UC San Diego's still not eligible for the postseason tournament so mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of the mission here at hand five games left and Hawaii can make up a game uh, on Long Beach uh, with a victory here on Saturday so this is a pretty big time and important game coming up for the Bows
2: it really is and you know the, the bye on Thursday their one game week uh, that they get twice during the conference season comes at I think at a pretty good time because you still have Javon McClanahan nursing the shoulder situation. Uh, There hasn't been, I don't think, a firm timetable on when he could come back. But you would imagine, hey, maybe with a full week of rest since their last game or close to a full week uh, going into Saturday, maybe there's a chance he could get back out there in some kind of reduced bench role or at least further his recovery towards an appearance later in the conference season. As you mentioned, CSUN being kind of the swing team in that top four for tournament seating purposes right now. They are one loss better than the rainbow warriors uh who are tied as you said with santa barbara and riverside so uh they already know they do not have the tiebreaker against santa barbara so they're gonna have to be a game clear of the gauchos in order to move above them for uh that top four spot which is you know as we've talked about in the past so vital because it it affords you a buy into the quarterfinal round or the second round instead of having to play what would be four times in four days so that's what the 5-8 teams are going to have to do, and uh, right now Hawaii's in that range. Uh,
1: with the remaining games after this week, uh, on the road, it's UC Davis and at UC Riverside, and then the last home stand the following week, March 6th, and ninth, it's going to be a Wednesday-Saturday week. Uh, you have SeaSun and Bakersfield. So uh, right now, you have a Riverside team and a Bakersfield team that currently in the standings are below uh, Hawaii, mm-hmm. uh, and so or or tied or below Hawaii, and so um, the schedule lays out, I think, in a way where there is a clear path for Hawaii to, at the very least, you know make sure that they they firmly stamp their spot in the uh, Big West tournament. But they have a chance, I think, uh, there are some stepping stones to maybe getting enough wins to at least tease that top-four seeding position, and that would be massive if they can get a first-round buy. Mm-hmm. Top-four seeds get first-round buys. Top-two seeds get two buys back-to-back and go automatically to the semifinals. Uh, that would be pretty huge for a team uh, that uh, is going to have to uh, win uh, successive games, three straight if they get up into the top four to make it to the NCAA tournament.
2: Correct. So the way I see it, Kanoa, you know, five games left five wins you know as tough an ask as that would be if they go five and oh over the rest of the conference regular season that would put them at 12 wins for the regular season and i'm pretty sure that would be you're pretty safe getting a top four spot if you're at four if you go four and one over that same stretch and you get to 11 wins it's going to be a little you know murky uh three wins to get you at 10 i don't think that's going to be good enough for the top four so uh, this Long Beach game on Saturday is really looming large in that. It's,
1: it's crazy, right? I mean, if you're UC San Diego, and we we talked with their head coach when they came into town, and uh, you know, he said, "Hey, look, we know and knew when we decided to make the transition from Division Two to Division One that this was the process, right? Four-year transition period." Uh, I because I, I asked him, "Do you, do you lament the fact that you uh, won't get an opportunity to play?" Uh, for a Big West Tournament Championship, despite clearly being one of the best teams in the Big West throughout this regular season, uh, and he said, "Hey, look, we knew what we were getting into, um, and and so we're looking at next year." And he says, "Actually, frankly, you know, we've been building our team to try and be uh, our best form next year. It's just some things have happened a little bit faster uh, than what they were anticipating, but uh, that's a, a fortunate." Uh, scenario certainly for teams like Hawaii to not have to worry about one of those uh, squads that's uh, pretty much looking like they're going to sit in that uh, top three or four position here uh, despite not being eligible for the postseason.
2: Yeah it really is uh, unfortunate for the Tritons that that's the timetable that four years just seems like it's forever and it's it just seems like a relic of another age. I think yeah. it's got to go. With
1: but- all of the changes in college sports, right, and just everything, you know, the NCA making all of these transfer, redshirting rule changes on the fly, yeah. like the fact that this four-year uh, Division two to Division one transition uh, has uh, held firm. Um, obviously, it's low on the priority uh, totem pole. But that said, like the fact that they have to wait this long uh, seems ridiculous. As a matter of fact,
2: they're only look, man, they're only a game behind Irvine in the top of the standings. Like they could win or at least co. Code- you know, share for the regular season championship, just like they they won outright in the Big West baseball last spring, right? I mean, they they would have been the representative to the NCAA tournament were it not for that onerous, you know, four year restriction. So the Tritons have proven, you know, they got the resources, they got the talent to hang with anybody in the league and then some. And uh, yeah, like you said, Hawaii's fortunate that at least for this year, you know, they're still in that restricted period because otherwise the uh, the bows would be perhaps cosign to that five through eight for sure. At least right now, they have a chance to improve their standing. we
1: got a couple of texts to get to. We'll do that on the other side of this break. Plus, we'll get to our best and worst. You're listening to Let's Talk Sports. What's up? Welcome back. Let's Talk Sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. Brian McInnes of Spectrum News is my guest uh, co-host. A couple of uh, texts to get to here before we get to our best and our worst. Uh, One texter says, all KD, talking about Kevin Durant and Charles Barkley, kind of going back and forth again. All KD has to say to Barkley is, the only rings you have are from a Cracker Jack box. Boom. Mic drop. Um, All right, next text. Is it true that the Bows, talking about rainbow basketball, shoot around for an hour and a half before games? not a full hour and a half of continued shooting, but uh, what we were commenting on was uh, after their win over UCSD going into the UC Davis game, um, we saw much more in the way of Rainbow players, like a, a much higher number, uh, shooting around about an hour and a half before the game, just getting some shots up there and then, you know, go back into the locker room, then they come out for like the official warmups. Uh, but previously it had been usually just Juan Munoz out there around that time timeframe, uh, maybe another straggler coming in, in, like in Akita Jacobs or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, that Davis game, it was like almost the entire team, and that th- th- represented some kind of uh, extra engagement in my mind. And uh, obviously, they came out shooting on fire too. They were <laughs> nine of eleven down. from three uh, in the first half of that game. So uh, yeah, it is true, but just not for a full hour and a half. That would wear them out.
0: And
2: I think the guys realized, hey, it's you know it's crunch time of the season. Every win is vital. Every game is you know of the utmost importance. So. I also, but to the first texter, I would have gone with onion rings instead of Cracker Jack box oh, rings for, like for Barkley. Take
1: that, Charles. Oh, he would love onion rings. Um, okay, I love onion rings. Who doesn't love onion <laughs> rings? Okay, um, let's go to our best and worst. What's your best?
2: Uh, my best is from uh, Los Murakami Stadium this past weekend, Hawaii against Ole Miss. You know, Bose did a good job fighting their way back to get a split of that four-game series. The highlight of the weekend for me was Itsuki Takemoto, the freshman yeah. pitcher from uh wakayama japan who just came in with all kinds of hype and you know a film crew following him around but he absolutely delivered when he got on the mound six strikeouts and three innings to earn the save on the second game of saturday's doubleheader and uh gave out like just the most like raucous cheers like to pump himself up as he left the mound to get out of a bases loaded jam and then afterwards he's like the most nervous humble dude <laughs> yeah. it like the the dichotomy there is striking and it was just really impressive.
1: Yeah, no, f- fantastic stuff. Uh he comes with a lot of hype. Uh he's a bit of a trailblazer uh in in the story that he is coming from Japan to play college ball here in the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh and uh and yeah, he made it look uh really good in his debut. So, uh looking forward to more uh, of Itsuki going forward. Uh my best also on the baseball diamond, uh Parker Bird of East Carolina in 2022 had his leg amputated after a boating accident. This was before his freshman year. Had to have 22 surgeries within the span of 45 days. He has been rehabbing ever since. And then this past weekend against Ryder University, he made his debut with East Carolina and became the first Division One baseball player to play with a prosthetic. Leg. It was an amazing wow. moment, very special moment, and certainly deserving uh, of a shout out on the best category.
2: No, that's awesome. I, yeah, I hadn't heard that one. Yeah,
1: no, it's, it's an incredible story. Uh,
2: all right, we flip it over to the worst. What's your worst? Uh, my worst is a uh, couple days ago, or, or over the weekend, I think. Uh, Texas A and M Commerce and Incarnate Word uh, <laughs> Southland Conference basketball. For for the diehard hoopsters out there, uh, you probably may have seen the uh, wild post game brawl that originated from the uh, handshake line post game. Um, that basically involved the entire rosters of both teams, and uh, you know, coaches were trying to split them up. Went on for like a minute plus. Uh, bystanders, couple, might have been hurt during the whole thing. Anyway, eight guys suspended, four from each team, uh, handed down by the Southland Conference today. Oh,
1: man, yeah, that was that was ugly, and it like continued, like lasted long. Like, it, yeah. you know, when it looked like it was calming down, then all of a sudden it f- sparked back up again. Yeah, that was uh, one of the nastier brawls that you'll see post game in college basketball. Uh, all right, my worst. Uh, this has been a bit of a storyline here the last couple of weeks. Uh, the new uniforms for Major League Baseball, uh, designed by Nike, but the company has out sourced the production of the garments to fanatics and there have been a lot of complaints about the new fabric they're saying that they're stretchier blah 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 uh, but now that we are seeing some clips and media day coverage of major league baseball players at spring training and whatnot uh there's one problem the pants are see-through like you can <laughs> see through them um it's it's going to create uh, some awkward situations uh if nobody wears you know underwear that's going to be a that's going to be an issue all right hey what a note to end on a big game james to see through baseball pants that's how we do it here on let's talk sports (laughs) we'll see you tomorrow everybody thanks Mac.